Do you ever feel like an imposter? Do you feel like you're faking it till you hopefully one day make it in your business goals and dreams? If so, then you're in the right place. Jesse, Lauren, and Mel are three besties who love discussing all things business and side hustle, all to help encourage you to push beyond imposter syndrome. We share real life learnings in real time to get you from where you are to where you want to be. Expect positive vibes, women supporting women, and a business education that you didn't learn in school. This is Imposter Women. If you're an athlete, you know that proper hydration is key to peak performance, but plain water can be boring and sports drinks can be filled with artificial ingredients and added sugars. That's why I love Cure. It's a clean and effective way to stay hydrated and perform at your best. Cure Hydration is an oral rehydration solution that contains the perfect balance of electrolytes and glucose to help your body absorb water and rehydrate quickly. Cure believes that hydration should be simple and effective, but also clean and natural. That's why they use only the highest quality plant-based ingredients and avoid any artificial or harmful additives. Are you ready to combat dehydration? Try Cure today and feel the difference for yourself. Use code IMPOSTER for 20% off your order. Hello and welcome to Imposter Women, the show that tells you that you are not an imposter and helps you tackle your life and business goals unapologetically and with confidence. I'm your host, Jesse Linder Gallo. I'm here with my co-host, Lauren Troxtel. Hey, Lauren. Hey. So in today's episode, Jesse and I are chatting with Victoria Marshman, and it was a phenomenal conversation. It was like business 101, product development 101. We walked through the steps of starting with this business idea, a dream that you believe in, and then how to bring that dream to fruition from uh, navigating and talking to all the experts in the field, to finding someone to make a prototype, to um, actually designing the product, finding a manufacturer, all the way to that last step of um, that last step of supplying and distributing the product. Yeah, I told Victoria at the end of this episode that I feel like I got a masterclass in developing a product and a product-based business, which can be so intimidating. And she makes a great point that she she told us at one point that she feels like there's so many product ideas out there that just never make it to market because it is kind of an intimidating business and it's hard to figure out. Um, but it, she was so willing to just dump out everything she's learned um, for all of you. So if you have a product idea or have ever had a product idea, this is your episode, ladies. <laughs> Without any further ado, let's meet today's guest. Victoria Marshman is a passionate and driven entrepreneur, marketer, community leader, and dance educator. She's operated and scaled two six-figure companies since 2015 and has helped raise over $250,000 for local Canadian charities through charitable events. 
Victoria has been featured as an entrepreneur in the Toronto Star, CTV, and National Post. She's won prestigious awards such as the Canadian Event Industry Award as a finalist in 2019. She won BizBass Most Influential Event Professional in 2018 and an RBC Women of Influence nominee. Recently, Victoria has co-founded Maeve and Shay, a D2C brand focused on ergonomic slippers for the fashion-conscious woman. The brand successfully launched on Kickstarter in October 2022 with over 350 pre-orders and was selected as a project we love by Kickstarter. The brand will be officially launched in spring of 2023. Victoria has always been passionate about fashion, and as an ex-competitive and professional dancer, she knows the importance of proper footwear and feels that all women deserve to be comfortable without compromising their style. Victoria is passionate about spiritual entrepreneurship and empowering and supporting women and creating brands with purpose. Victoria, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you. Thank you. It's so weird to hear your bio read to you, but we'll go with it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's a lot to live up to in there yeah <laughs> no pressure no pressure <laughs> no we're so excited to have you um honestly you have so much good information to share so just kick us off today victoria and tell us a little bit about maven shay yeah so maven shay is a luxury ergonomic slipper brand for women we've really created the first ever stylish and comfortable slipper We've integrated nine function first features into it with the help of podiatrists and foot experts so that women can actually wear their slippers at home all day and feel very good about themselves. Um, So that's, that's Maven Shea in a nutshell. I love that. I, um, working from home definitely has uh, kind of revolutionized the footwear for sure because I have worn down slippers. I've had floors where you can basically feel the concrete and like it is so much pressure on your back and legs. So I'm really excited to learn more about your product and um, w- like what made you switch because you and your business partner, Danny Kagan, have been business partners for 12 years. And you were in a service-based business and you switched over to a product-based business. So what kind of made you switch? Yeah, I mean, I think like a lot of people at the beginning of the pandemic, we were drastically impacted. We were in the events business. So we were running large-scale events all across North America And once the pandemic hit, basically all of our contracts got canceled. So we managed to pivot a couple things online, you know, did some of the like Zoom events, Um, but it really made me and my business partner, Danny, reflect on like what we wanted to kind of do with this time. You know, like we knew the pandemic wasn't going anywhere and the the, the thought of doing large scale events again was not going to happen for a few years. So, you know, a mentor of ours really thought, put it in our heads, like, what do you feel like you're missing at home right now? We're all spending a lot of time home. What do you feel like you're missing? And it was funny because it was actually the, um, my co-founder and I were ex-professional dancers. So being at home, sitting in our chairs, walking around on hardwood and laminate floors, like both of us were like, God, like my back is like out today. My hips, we just kept like talking about all of our aches and pains. And uh, my co-founder ended up talking to a podiatrist and she was, which is like a foot expert. 
or chiropodist. They're kind of, they do the same thing. And she said, are, what are you wearing on your feet at home? And she said, oh, like slippers. And she's like, I don't recommend wearing slippers at home. I only recommend wearing sneakers or Birkenstocks. And it was kind of a light bulb moment for my co-founder. And she was like, you don't recommend any slippers. Like there's no slippers that are good enough to wear at home. And she's like, nope, none of them are made well. None of them are ergonomic. And we really like went in headfirst. We realized there's nothing on the market that is really made supportive. And honestly, like what slippers would you ever wear outside of your house? Like they're always frumpy. They always like end up under your bed collecting dust or getting eaten by the dog. And they're like, they get stinky and gross. Like I get really sweaty feet and like my slippers will before only lasted a season, which is super wasteful. So we really saw a problem and, and, you know, we we're always on, we've always been entrepreneurs and love to create things. So we just went in head first and here we are. <laughs> That's amazing. To, and just like a little bit of background for our listeners to Victoria. So this is your third business together. Yes. Yes. So we had, um, this is about eight years into our entrepreneur journey. Both businesses that we ran before were in the event space. One events company, um, we, we were hired to do large scale events for our clients. And then another uh, events company we had was actually more of a community. We did events for entrepreneurs. Uh, the, the business is called City Moguls and it's a, cool. a Canadian, Canadian based entrepreneur organization. Very cool. Yeah. So this is very much like the first product based anything that you had done. 100%. No experience in fashion, no experience in creating a product, no e-commerce experience. It was you a went lot. for it. You went yeah. for it. <laughs> That's so awesome. Can you tell us a little bit of how you started without having that background and, and speaking with the podiatrist, like was the podiatrist kind of your first point of contact? And then like, did they give you recommendations or how did you go about creating a product that you didn't know how to make it ergonomically appropriate and fashionable and cute and design? Yeah. Like that's, you know, it's, we didn't, I don't think realize what we were signing up for, you know, like there's one thing about creating like a t-shirt or a notebook or, you know, a product that can be nicely designed, but like we literally created this shoe from, I call it a shoe cause it's like a slipper shoe, but we literally created it from scratch because there was nothing out there. Um, and yeah, it started a lot with having those conversations with not just the podiatrist, but, you know, all sorts of people, osteopaths, acupuncture people learning about the foot and becoming an expert of the foot and what features should be in a shoe to be able to properly support your body all day. So things like a deep heel cup, high arch support. Um, a wide toe box so that your toes can rest in its natural state. Like we really became super scientific about all the features that we wanted included in the slipper before we even started to come up with a design or anything. So it was a lot of R&D and it was a lot of talking with cut potential people. Like we, I think in our first year, our first year of the business was solely research and development. 
talking to hundreds of people, doing surveys, like, what do you feel like you're missing in your prop, your slippers? You know, what, explain to me what it feels like when you wear them. What features are you, do you love? What do you not love? So just collecting all of that data, looking at what our competitors were doing, how we could do it better. Um, so that was really a lot of the framework was gathering all this data of what's already out there. What do our customers, future customers want and becoming experts talking with subject matter experts on it before we started to create it. That's so smart. So I think as you're saying that, like, as we kind of talk through this, I want to pull out some of these nuggets for some of our listeners of just like, you went straight to the experts and started networking with them, like the experts in the field that you were looking to create within just so smart. Who else were you networking with? Like this has always been, I, at one point I had a product business idea and I was like, I have no idea where to go with this next idea. It's like, who else were you networking with? I'm super curious. Yeah. And that's why I'm so happy and grateful to be on this show because I genuinely believe that so many people listening to this probably have great product ideas. And like, I'm just, I just, I don't know anything, but I was resilient and we were committed and we wanted to see this through because we wanted the product so bad. We were such frustrated consumers. We were like, we got to do this. No one else is going to do it. Um, so an entrepreneur is a frustrating <laughs> consumer. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think one of the biggest things we have learned from our past businesses was finding people that were experts who could support us with the parts that we just didn't take us a decade to learn how to properly make shoes, right? So it was the podiatrist and then it was finding a footwear technician. So there's actually people out there that specialize in designing prototypes for shoes. And we learned this actually, like for most products, there are people out there that specialize in creating like the prototypes and development and have no desire in like running their own businesses. So we ended up kind of finding him like in a very unique way. Like we got a referral to an agency that does footwear and they were like, you guys are too small. Like you can't afford us. So like, hi, reach out to this guy. He's been in the industry for like 30 years. Um, so he was kind of our missing piece of helping us create the prototypes, um, communicate with the, our factory, which I can talk about how we found that. But it's it really was at that stage, A, about finding the experts, but also the capital. And this is like a whole other bucket, but... Our other two businesses we did before this one, we bootstrapped ourselves and um, were able to fund them ourselves with a product business. It's like next to impossible to do it if you don't have capital. So a big thing was starting um, a family and friends raise and it's called, um, I'm not sure if you talked about this on the show yet with your listeners, but we did a safe round. And if you haven't heard of that, it's a simple agreement for future equity. So basically people can give small amounts of money and we have a simple agreement that 
once our company is big enough and we can do a proper valuation of our business, they'll get equity. So that's like the 411 on what we did, but we needed capital. And during the pandemic, no banks were giving out loans or anything like that. So we had to find the money ourselves. That is fascinating. I I have not heard of safe rounds. So thank you for sharing that as people look to different ways to build that capital um, to, to support. Because as you mentioned, you had to do a design uh, prototype is that how you say it? Design prototype? Prototype, yeah. <laughs> prototype, yeah. there we go. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and so it's just, it's really fascinating because, yeah, that would take money that you have to make those designs and get them printed and or, or designed and created and whatnot and mm-hmm. obviously have to pay for that. So um, thank you for sharing about the safe round. Yeah, and um, you can Google it. Like, it's basically just the easiest way to raise money. And all you really need is a pitch deck, a great idea. (laughs) And, you know, we didn't, we weren't asking for millions of dollars. We were asking for 10,000 here, 15,000 there. And really it was the power of our network and getting referrals to angel investors, people who are looking to invest in companies and know, you know, there's a lot of risk Um, and, you know, random mentors you know i asked old bosses people who i knew maybe had a you know a a couple extra thousand hanging around and believed in me so you'd be surprised if you pitch yourself the right way who will invest in your idea because that's all it really is at this stage it's an idea i love that you're just like shaking the trees like i am like kind of walking (laughs) through your journey here and it's it seems like that's really what you have to do to really pull this thing together is like try every single lead and connection you might have or might have made along the way or anybody you might have made an impression on because you don't you don't know what like you said what money they may have or what expertise they may have or who they may know that so you know it's also kind of a journey of not not counting people out before you before you talk to them, it sounds like you really went every possible angle on this thing. Uh, yeah, 100%. And, you know, of course, you know, our first couple of pitches that Danny and I did, we felt like complete idiots. We're like, who are we to be talking about slippers? Like, this is like, we're only a year in. We know we haven't figured out our manufacturer or blah, blah, blah. Like, there were so many things we didn't have figured out. But, we were confident and we believed that the need is really there. And we had spoken with enough women that we were like, we, it was that like hunger, like we need this product made for people. It's going to make their lives so much better and change how they step into their day. Yeah, absolutely. And you're now you're doing it. So, so we've talked a little bit about the beginning of designing the product if there's anything we're missing in design, for sure, take us through that. But I'm, I would love to also hear then how you started transitioning into that manufacturing phase. Yeah. So I, once we kind of had our rough designs done, like to a point where we had like, it's called like a rendering, like an image of it that's pretty close to what it will look like once it's made. Um, 
we knew from our other businesses how important the marketing piece of a business is. We didn't hadn't done it for an e-commerce business before, but we had built a community. We had built an entrepreneur community before, um, and we knew how important that like community aspect is. So once we had those prototypes, that's when we really started like the brand development. We came up with the name. We put our we really started to flush things out. Like, what are we trying to do? What's our mission? What's our vision? What are our values? And literally, even before we had found a manufacturer or anything, we threw up a landing page. We started our social media accounts and we started talking about the problem. And the landing page was literally like, welcome to the slipper revolution. And it was like, join our pre-sale list. And that was it. It was like nothing else, like a few random pictures and stuff, but we wanted to start building momentum and building a list of potential customers for when we were getting closer and closer. So we started that slow snowball marketing and in our research, and this is very, very common with a lot of product-based businesses, we came across crowdfunding. So crowdfunding is a way of raising money as well um, through uh, people getting your the product from you before anyone else. So there's a couple platforms you can do crowdfunding on. There's um, Kickstarter, which is definitely the most popular, Indiegogo, and then there's a couple other small ones. So um, I strongly recommend you check out because there's also so many cool products on these websites. Like it's crazy what people are coming up with and you're basically pre-ordering the product at a discounted price and it allows the founder to be able to use that capital to go get that first run of inventory or help finish the product. So we had done a lot of research and we're like, you know what, let's just do it. So we did a, we actually did a Kickstarter and that was really like our momentum to get um, pre-orders. So we ended up raising 25K in 12 hours, which was insane. It was the most, <laughs> my co-founder and I locked ourselves in a hotel room. We got a hotel room for three nights and it was like the craziest thing. Cause it's like, it's like a fundraising thing. So you watch the barometer go up and you hit a, you hit a goal. So our goal was like 20K and we like surpassed it in 12 hours. And we were just, I think there's a video on my Instagram that I did because it was the most insane day of my life, but super helpful because it built that again, buzz and excitement. Um, and, uh, and for us, it allowed us to get 350 customers in a month and capital to help us get our first run of inventory. That's a phenomenal story. And and I've gotten some cool stuff off Kickstarter, honestly. Yes. <laughs> You're totally right. It's a really good way to like find some innovative, find some innovative ideas out there. As you were kind of going through that process, so how did you even figure out how much money you needed? Like at that point, had you already connected with a manufacturer and you knew, okay, our first run of 300 products is going to cost us X, we've got to raise that? Or how did you get to that number? Oh boy. Yeah. Pr pricing is hard. Um, and of course with inflation and everything, like everything has gone up to be able to make things. 
Um, I'll rewind a little bit because the manufacturing piece is really, really difficult. Like, I'll be honest, I think it was the hardest part for us. And we were very adamant about finding a, a ethical and an ethical factory where they treat their employees well and have strong labor laws and are sourcing their materials sustainably. Um, so that did eliminate a lot of factories because unfortunately we live in a world where there's not strong regulations in a lot of countries but we did find a great place we ended up finding a factory in brazil which is a big shoe hub um and we one of the biggest pieces of advice i can give is when you're trying to find factories you have to find an agent that works in that country so like they're kind of like a middleman that works with you in between the factory. Like you can never work directly with factories. That's just not how these industries work. You generally have to go through an agent who has an expertise in your industry. How do you go about finding an agent? So again, we we asked everybody. <laughs> we we uh we found other people who had footwear brands or people we knew that had footwear brands and you know people are also very secretive with stuff like this. So it was not easy. We would we would be on calls uh with other footwear brands that were not were not competitors at all, but we would get to that question like so who where do you make your shoes? Who's your manufacturer? And we asked, I think like 15, 20 people. And then eventually we got a connection through one of those people to an agent, somebody who worked in Brazil. And that agent ended up finding us the right factory because they have the relationships with the local factories. Power of asking. Oh my gosh. I There's like that theme just keeps coming up here. <laughs> like just keep asking. <laughs> so what is the next stage after manufacturing? Okay, that's a great question. So once you find your factory, once you find your factory, um, the hardest part is, especially when you're creating something new, first of all, you're working in a country where English is probably their second language. So for us, they spoke Portuguese, we spoke English. Thank God we had our agent who was able to translate things but we were trying to create something with our factory that they had never done before. Combining this like comfort and style piece into a shoe is not done often. Usually shoes are stylish and they're uncomfortable or they're comfortable, but they're not really stylish. So combining these two elements, our factory looked at us like we had three heads. They were like, you want a slipper that's pretty but is also comfortable. And we're like, yes. And it took, it took over a year and probably six versions of a sample for them to get it right. And it was painful. I'm not going to lie. We would, we would, we would, we would uh, give them all the corrections and how we would receive the sample. We would, they would, we would look at it and inspect it with our footwear technician and give them a bunch of detailed corrections and make it very easy for them to understand. 
And then two months later, we'd get an updated sample. And it would still be so many issues. We're like, we can't sell this. Like, this is terrible. And then more corrections. And then eventually it got to a point where we were like, there's something not connecting here. And we actually had to go and to the factory in Brazil for a couple weeks. And once we did that, that was earlier this year in January. Once we did that, and we were able to speak one-on-one -on -one with them and we were there for two weeks in the factory. It was the coolest experience ever. Like them being able to see our shoes actually being made and then make corrections on the spot. That's when everything started to click and they really started to understand the features and the vision of the shoe we wanted to create. That is so cool. So did you, uh, just kind of going back to that original prototype that you had, did you send a copy of that to the manufacturers or was it more of just like on the computer design and that's what you sent over? So they didn't actually have the physical shoe made yet, just a, a visual. Yeah, good question. So it was really just drawings and like a list of the materials and features that we wanted included. So uh, obviously it would be hard for them because they had nothing to go off of. So it was, yeah, it was really challenging in those beginning stages. We would get the thing back and we're like, what is this? Is this even a shoe? <laughs> but they got it eventually. Now, all the while that this is going on, you're continuing to build this brand, right? So you're continuing to market and do all these other pieces of your business. Like what, for you, was there ever a moment of like, this isn't going to happen? We're, we're marketing something that's not going to come to life. <laughs> yeah, like those fears of like fire festival vibes start to creep in where you feel like you're going into meetings <laughs> and you're talking to all these important people and they're giving you money. Like, I believe in you, go do this idea. And you're like, they don't even know we don't have a real product yet. Like there was every all every day I had doubts and was like are we actually going to be able to do this because it's it's hard it took us three years to get to market three years from the idea moment and I think the only thing that really got me through was the belief in myself and my business partner like we've gone through so much together I knew we were going to crack this I knew we were going to figure it out and just that, like that hunger, I think to really be an entrepreneur, you have to enjoy the resilience and the, the, the highs and the lows and the lows that we experienced so far in this business have definitely been the lowest. Cause it was like, oh my God, we're spending other people's money. They believe in us. We, we still have so much more to go. Like, are we going to ever get the, this vision of this slipper we have in our heads, are we ever going to get there? I'm curious, did you get any um, pressure from your funders of like, okay, it, was, it took three years to create and develop. Was there any pressure of like, where's the product? What's going on? And just trying to like balance that out for people who are in a product phase before. Yeah, that's a good question. We, thankfully chose, and I like to use that word, like we chose investors and people 
that also could contribute and support us in different parts of the business. Like, I think, you know, you don't want to take money from everyone. Like you want to be at the end of the day, you want to be selective because they're going to be with you in this business until it's done or you get acquired or exit or whatever. Right. Um, so we were very selective with the people that we took on to be a part of this business with us. And, you know, we were very upfront. Like, I, I think you can't sugarcoat things like that. We, we, were we did monthly updates with like where we were at in our progress like we were very transparent every step of the way with um our investors and we have also been that way with all of our kickstarter backers and people who pre-ordered from us like we when we originally finished our kickstarter um which was when we collected all of the pre-orders and people put money down to get a pair we thought we would have them to them in two to three months because we were pretty close to getting them done. And it actually took us six months to get them done and to them. So we over communicated every step of the way. Here's what's happened. We're having delays in receiving these materials. We have to go to Brazil because they're not understanding our ideas. Like I, that over communication piece is really important for all stakeholders, not just the people in the business, but also your customers and your early adopters, the people who are supporting you at those early stages. Now talk about, you're starting to talk about customers here. So this is kind of a perfect transition, I think. Can you just talk about starting to transition into actually distributing and supplying that product? What did that look like? And and how are you guys able to crack some of, I'm sure, those challenges and just figure out where do people buy from you and how do you get it to them? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think for us, we knew we wanted to be direct to consumer, meaning we would set up our own on online store to start. Um, because especially with a new product, you want to understand where your customers are coming from. So, you know, we, we, we've, we've, spent a lot of time looking at our competitors and what marketing strategies they're using and kind of reverse engineering the things that seem to be working for them. But because what we've created is very innovative and new, we're kind of like from a marketing standpoint, throwing a lot of spaghetti at the wall and seeing what's going to work. We're trying influencer marketing. We're doing email and SMS. We've got a strong social media presence. So we're doing the paid ads like and we're kind of just seeing, OK, where are our sales actually coming from? So direct to consumer is nice because it kind of cuts out that middle distributor or getting into stores. However, being in footwear, the trying on the shoe is a big experience for people. And we know that and are working on a wholesale strategy but it's more just like planting the seeds right now because our business is at such an early stage that we can't handle the um, margins or the or the the large scale orders that would come from a wholesaler so that's kind of something we're kind of working on for next year is getting into wholesale it meaning like retailers and big box brands and boutiques and stuff like that where they are buying it buying our products from us at a lower price because they're buying so many there's so many avenues to get products out there it's interesting like 
even in your case where you are going direct to consumer, there's still so many ways to go about that and then to play with other options and distributors and stores. I, a year from now, it'll be so interesting. Even we're going to have to have you back and hear kind of the next phase of this. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and things changed like that. Like paid ads used to be the thing to do a year and a half ago. And then the privacy laws changed. And now it's just not a reliable way to like put all your marketing spend into it because ads aren't as sophisticated in, in being personalized as they used to be. So so I quickly just wanted to go back to a little bit about your um, suppliers and the wholesale part and such. I think I saw one of your videos on Instagram and it looked like you got your first um, like product sent to, I don't know if it's your warehouse or you have a warehouse or a space to store things for the moment and time being. And Can you kind of just walk us through that? that first moment of when your product came to you and you got to open that box. I just, I think that's a great thing to hear about. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. What an experience. So we, we, um, we got a call from our factory in Brazil. They're like, your order is done. We're, we're shipping it to Canada. We're like, all right, we're ready. And thankfully, again, to having many calls with mentors and people that have done this before and run successful e-commerce brands, we learned two things. Number one, in order to be able to receive product into your country from another country, you need something called, I wish people told me these things, like I wish this knowledge was more, so I feel so excited to share this, but like you need something called a freight forwarder. A freight forwarder is somebody that works in the customs with the customs agents at your your border, essentially, and helps you get your product into Canada. So you can't just like order stuff in another country and get it into Canada because you have or U.S. or wherever you have to pay um, duties and taxes on it and you need a it's this person called a freight forwarder to help you be able to do that. So number one, that person was essential in our supply chain, essentially, to getting our product into our warehouse. Number two was finding a warehouse. Another term for this is um, a third-party logistics provider, which is short for 3PL. So basically... And what's great is e-commerce is pretty established. So there's a lot of 3PLs out there. But basically, these companies will store your inventory for you. And then they'll also pick pick and pack it for you. All these terms that I've literally learned in the last three years. They'll pick and pack it for you. So as an order comes through on your online store, they'll also get a notification of that order. And they're the ones responsible for pulling it and packaging it and actually shipping it to the customer. So we wanted to go that route because the thought of having thousands and thousands of pairs of shoes in our houses was not an option. So we were like, we have to find somebody to work with. I'm not, I'm not spending all day at home, you know, crawling through a garage, trying to find inventory and, 
and <laughs> and sending it myself. So that was like <laughs> that was a no brainer for us. Was working with three uh, PL. Talk about people that hold the life of your business in their hands that you've never heard of before. (laughs) Yeah. Two two industries that are just quietly behind the scenes. (laughs) Yeah. And like, you know, when you hear those like high level supply chain things, like this is the people that are behind the supply chain world, right? There's a freight forwarder in the country that the product comes from. There's a freight forwarder in the in the country that your product goes to, like there's all of these middlemen and you have to know them all. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Victoria, is there anything else on the process that you want to tell our listeners about as far as getting your product from idea to market? Yeah, well, I mean, I am always, I'm an open book as well. Like if any people out there are listening to this podcast and want to connect with me, reach out to me on Instagram. I want to help other people, you know, if they have ideas for products and they want to help bring them to life. I want to see those products in the world because there's obviously a need, you know, we're all here for a reason to create things. So we often get in our own way and sometimes we just need a little reminder that we can do these things. But I would say, like, I think what my whole journey has kind of taught you is just if you really believe that the world needs what idea you have, like, do you go through the motions, do the research, see if there's a market fit for it. And if you really believe there is, then find a way, find a way to make it. That's such good advice. I hope everyone will just like rewind that and listen to that again. Like if you really believe the world needs what you have, go for it. That's so powerful um, to hear no matter what business you're in, whether that's a service or a product um, or anything in between (laughs) a product-based service. Uh, We've talked to some of those kind of hybrid entrepreneurs as well. Um, I really hope people will just hear that and let let that resonate for them. Victoria, would you share with us? So it's been so cool hearing the process of this. We've hardly talked about um, your business itself at all. Actually, we haven't really talked about Maven Shea. What is, let's turn back to that. So you're building this incredible business. I'd love to hear where you are today and what the vision is for the future of this business. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. We're talking about like all the behind the scenes, but not the actual product. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we've we've actually just gone to market. So it's a very exciting time. We're shipping daily now. Um, we've already sold over 500 pairs. Um, you know, we have a loyal following on our social media. I mean, I think what people are the most excited about is they finally found something at home that they can wear and it goes with them. Like the slippers are so stylish and they're very classic silhouettes. We do a loafer called the Audrey and, um, the, uh, there's a half back mule. So it's more of a slide that's called the Maya. So our whole brand is really about legacy. Um, I The name of our brand is actually after myself and my co-founders, like grandmothers, Mavis and Shayna. Um, so our whole brand is about how you can build your legacy and step into your day more bold and more ready to make an impact. So the actual shoes, the two designs that we've come up with are named after 
you know, some of the most incredible women in the world, the Audrey, Audrey Hepburn. And when you wear them, you actually feel like Audrey, Audrey Hepburn. They're like this very classic loafer. Um, I like wore a turtleneck the other day and I was like, I feel like, I actually feel like her today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the Maya, is the halfback mule, which is the one that's in that leopard print that's really sassy looking is after Maya Angelou, who's a, a very famous poet um, and storyteller, um, if you haven't heard of her. So whole brand is about legacy. Where do we see ourselves going? Gosh, I mean, we're, we're, in plans to expand across North America. We love, I think also from our other businesses, building communities. So we're doing a lot of events for women, um, a lot of talks about building legacy, really trying to make an impact in our communities. And uh, yeah, we plan on hitting, getting into big stores and retailers over uh, the next few years. But right now we're just focused on building our online store. That's phenomenal. And can you, just a personal question asking for a friend, can you get them if you're in the U.S. or do you have to in Canada get them? No, we're shipping across Canada and U.S. So as long as you're not in Alaska or Hawaii, we have we can't do those places yet, but all the other states were good. <laughs> Perfect. Just checking. Yeah, well... <laughs> You don't, you've had a chat with the founder now, so maybe you can get a little, you know, friends discount. Yeah. <laughs> oh, your whole story has just given me, I just kept getting the chills throughout all of it, hearing about the legacy and how um, just stepping into your legacy and that's what the whole brand is about, which is just a beautiful story. Um, are there any resources that you have loved in your business journey that you'd like to share with our listeners, whether it's a book or podcast or speaker? Yes, I, we don't have time for this topic, but I'm big into spirituality and personal growth. And um, I do believe you all, your business only grows when you grow as a person. Um, so some of the best books I've read, yeah, snaps. Um, some of the best books I've read that really had put me on that trajectory, um, the 5am club by Robin Sharma talks about like that morning routine and how every day should start with taking care of yourself and doing the things that fill you up. Um, atomic habits, another really good one and getting a coach. Like I got a coach in 2021, kind of like a personal therapist, coach, everything in between, but they've really helped me get out of my own way. And um, I'm actually about to start a new program with a new coach, but again, always being in that growth mindset and realizing that you can always show up and be a better person that we've all got stuff we're working on. I love that. I was quietly snapping along on, <laughs> on me over here. That's so true. You like, especially when our businesses are so tied to us as people, like our own things that hold us back end up holding back the business too. So I think that's really beautiful and some awesome resources to to push yourself there. Victoria, any just like final thoughts you want to share? Oh my goodness. Any final thoughts? Um, 
Well, I think just, you know, the whole theme of your podcast and what you guys are doing, I just hope that I can be an example that, you know, I had no clue what I was signing myself up for in creating a slipper from scratch. Really, truly no clue. But I believed in myself. I believed in my business partner and I and what we're capable of human as human beings. And I was excited about the journey of what I would learn in the process. So just to keep those things in mind and <laughs> to not be so hard on yourself and if enjoy it is, is, is what it's really all about. Um, yeah. That's perfect. Okay. So for everybody listening here, this is probably the most important question we could ask at this point in the interview. Where can our audience find you? Tell us where can they get the shoes? Where can they follow along on this journey? Yeah. So that we're most active on Instagram. So you can follow us there at Maven Shay. It's M-A-V-E and C-H-E-Z. Surprise. Shay. <laughs> Shay is actually home for French. So us Canadians were forced to learn French. So that that was our Canadian <laughs> little little integration there. Um, so at Maven Shea or www.mavenshea.com. If you want to connect with me personally and chat spirituality, growth, starting a product, I'm open ears, happy to support. Uh, my, ha- my personal handle is Victoria underscore Marshman, M-A-R-S-H-M-A-N. Awesome. We'll put all of those in the show notes for everybody listening so that you can easily click over and connect with Victoria, Maven Shay, um, and everything they've got going on on Instagram and their website. Yeah. And make sure you join our email list because when you do, you get free shipping on your first order. So Ooh, that's good go. for the Americans because you have to pay a little more. <laughs> <laughs> There's your hack for the episode. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's time for our favorite segment in our episode. It's time for our weekly win. This is the segment where we share wins from our businesses this past week, both big and small, and lift up each other's accomplishments. I'm really excited to hear what's been going on in both of your businesses this week and in your life and just what we can celebrate together. So um, Lauren, Victoria, will give you a a little break here. Lauren, you want to share some of your wins from this week? Yeah, so as you may have heard from previous podcasts, I um, recently got a coach and I started training for duathlons and we went to the national, the the USA national duathlons um, and I competed in a sprint distant and an Olympic distant duathlon, duathlons run, bike, run. And I ended up qualifying for Team USA. So I will be going to the World Championships in August of 2024. And along with that, which is really cool and exciting that I learned it's kind of its own business. A lot of the um, Team USA athletes don't get as much funding like some of our other athletes. Um, So I'm learning kind of about the business side of being an athlete and the fundraising overcoming imposter syndrome with fundraising and um, tax write-offs and all that stuff. So I'm really excited for the journey and just to see where this next year and a half goes with the training and the discipline and everything that's involved with it. I think this is so cool. I knew what was about to come out of your mouth and I, it still makes my jaw drop every time, but I really appreciate watching Victoria's jaw. Literally. That's amazing. (laughs) 
I was like, I know I can't say anything, but I'm literally screaming like a little girl. That's so cool. <laughs> You're so cool. Oh my God. Congrats, Lauren. That's a that's a big week to put Team USA on your on your resume. No big deal. <laughs> well, Victoria, I'll let you follow that. Oh jeez. <laughs> What's your win in your business this week? I can't follow that. Well, I think this past week we officially hit like we officially fulfilled all of our pre pre-orders, which was over 400 orders. So that was so exciting and also terrifying just dealing with all the logistics of that. So just to like put our, that it almost really felt like a chapter closed, like, okay, all the orders are out and now it's, now we're just in the process. Now we're in the like daily operations of orders coming in and fulfilling them and going out. So it's like very exciting that, you know, we've, we kept our promise, all of the people that put money down without them without them receiving them right away somehow to wait six months like I said um and seeing how excited they are on social media like unboxing their their maves has been like such an experience and um yeah big win that is so exciting congratulations and now did you get to go to the I'm going to use your term your 3PL your third-party logistics provider to help stuff those packages and get them out or were you kind of behind the scenes with it yes i love you're a quick learner i love (laughs) it um yeah we we thankfully have a great partner we found one that would let us not all of them will let you do that but we were able to do quality checks and like open a couple boxes and and watch them you know fulfill the first couple pairs and it was it was very surreal and also just be able to finally have them in my size like you can't see them, but I'm like wearing them right now. And I'm like, yay. <laughs> That's amazing. Congratulations, Victoria. And you'll have to pass that congratulations on uh, to your business partner as well. Pass that on to Danny. That's a, that's a big win. <laughs> I will. Awesome. Well, I have a, a little win in my business as well this week. Um, and I've been so excited. We've been talking about this duplex. We've been renovating forever. Um, and a few episodes ago, I got to share that we finally had it listed and had really good interest. And now I can finally say that it is fully rented and has humans living in it. I actually, I want to, I'll share this story. I wasn't sure where I was going to, but, um, the woman who ended up renting the, the second unit to, uh, was just in kind of a tough situation in life and was living in a hotel, trying to find somewhere to live, which mind boggling to me, that would be so difficult. And so she was just in love with this apartment. And when we called to tell her she was approved, she started squealing. (laughs) I started crying. I'm sure that has nothing to do with being nine months pregnant. But it was just really exciting to be able to have found somebody who was going to love this place as much as we do and uh, has somewhere to call home again. So that's really why we do what we do. So that was a really fun experience. Congratulations. That's such a beautiful story, too, to really have that connection to your tenant. And you're both helping each other out and just share that moment together. Yes, 100%. Thank you. So amazing. And it's hard to find housing and good people. So like also to know that like a good person is in your home is also great. Yes, 100%. We we love our buildings. So (laughs) 
Well, if you're listening right now, we want you to know that we really want to hear your win as well. How, no matter how big or how small, we want to cheer you on. So email us at imposterwomen at gmail.com to share your weekly win, and you can hear it on the air on a future episode of Imposter Women. Ladies, we've covered so much today. I feel like I'm walking away with like a masterclass in how to get a product to market. Victoria, thank you so much for sharing your expertise today and talking about your experience and how you were able to develop Maven Shea and, and be able to get these awesome slippers out into the hands uh, of shoppers. So thank you so much for being here. Girls, it's been amazing. I'm so grateful. And yeah, product 101. I like I'm exhausted. That was that's a lot. We did we did a lot of good work today. I like I learned more in the last hour than I did throughout school. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of Imposter Women. You can visit the episode description to find all of the show notes from today's episode. We'd love if you would send us your weekly win at imposterwomen at gmail.com and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts to help others find this community. Be sure to tune in next week as we continue to help you chase your dreams unapologetically. See you on the next episode of Imposter Women.